Welcome to a Vegas Gang special audio extra. This audio was recorded the week of June 12th, 2009 at Encore at Wynn Las Vegas. Um, this is a design roundtable featuring Roger Thomas, uh, DeRider Butler, Jerry Beal, Todd Avery Lanahan, and Mike Hong, all of whom were designed in the design of Encore Las Vegas. Enjoy. On my immediate left is DeRider Butler. DeRider is the uh, Executive Vice President of Architecture with Wind Design and Development. Uh, and DeRider and I have uh, been working together f- with Steve for nearly 30 years in our current capacities. Uh, I, get the, I get the joy of, of putting a lot of, of gorgeous things in a building, and, uh, and I usually am the one who people say it just looks spectacular, uh, um, and that may be appropriate. But what's really important about our buildings is that uh, the staff perform their tasks in a nearly effortless fashion. Uh, and that the extraordinary number of goods that have to transport in and out of this building and the services that have to be included uh, do so in a fluid uh, uh, and seamless fashion. And that is entirely uh, DeRider Butler. He makes machines that, uh, that work so efficiently that you're not aware that a machine is operating them. Uh, and accommodates uh, some whims that I have had uh, throughout the years uh, for which I get the credit and he gets the pain. On my immediate uh, right, your left, is Jerry Beal. Jerry is uh, Senior Vice President of Design for Wind Design and Development. Uh, And after two years of negotiating and pleading, uh, I convinced him to leave a very prestigious international hospitality design uh, uh, business uh, and come to Wind Design and Development as my successor. Uh, Jerry's going to succeed me this June, uh, and he was ex- uh, highly instrumental in the finish and polish of Encore. Uh, and on my far right, uh, my esteemed colleague and one of my closest friends, Todd Avery Lenahan, uh, who is responsible for all of the design of the spa, all of the suites, and uh, all of the room accommodations in the buildings. Uh, I think Todd is uh, the most exciting and talented individual working in hospitality design today. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm very happy that we can enjoy those talents uh, here at Wind Design and Development. So uh, he'll be answering questions specifically um, about any of those areas that you have. Uh, I, I've, I'd like each participant, starting on my far left with Mike Hong, to just address you for two or three minutes uh, about who they are and what their role is in our particular, um, in, in bringing you Encore. Um, I will say that uh, Wind Design and Development, as a wholly owned subsidiary of uh, Wind Resorts, is responsible uh, and in charge of all of the design aspects, all of the construction and delivery aspects of each one of our projects worldwide. Uh, Indeed, Wind Design and Development is the owner of the building until it's formally turned over to the operating company, in this case, uh, Encore. Uh, And so from the inception uh, of concept with Mr. Wynn to the final polish of the fit and finish, uh, it is Wind Design and Development. We're a group uh, that varies in size. I think we're currently at about 120 people. Uh, As we sit today, that would be our our kind of fullest staff. We have a large presence at our uh, property in Macau, uh, as well as here in Las Vegas. And our departments are interiors, architecture, construction, purchasing, uh, and executive management and accounting. 
Uh, and we have um, many of us, most of us have worked on at least two projects together. Many of us have worked on four or five projects together. This is the same group, uh, basically the same executive group, and a lot of the same design talent uh, that brought you, um, as well as Win Las Vegas. Uh, and Encore and Win Macau, the Bellagio, uh, Mirage, and Treasure Island, and even some of us go back to the Golden Nugget days. That's how I got hair this color. <laughs> so let's start with uh, um, an introduction uh, by Mike Hong. Hi, my name is Mike Hong. I'm, as uh, Roger has mentioned, I, my uh, experience with uh, Win Design goes back quite a bit. Uh, but the last four years, uh, I have started my own practice called My Home Architects, and I've been very fortunate to be part of this incredible venture. Um, what I really love about this uh, particular team is that it's such a collaborative effort. Can you grab the microphone, please? Thank you. Let's see. Sorry, can you hear me again? No, it's okay. I'll just do this one. Um, it's been a thrill for me to be part of this design process because uh, being part of this very um, amazing project, not just this particular project, Steve has always been in charge of trying to look for something that is amazing, provocative, uh, on the cutting edge, and it's not just architecture. Uh, as an architect, we try to practice architecture and become more self-conscious, but what he's looking for is to create a very intimate, elegant, beautiful experience for the client. So it has to be from the, the point of view of the experience of the guest, and which allows us to really look into different design process that goes beyond your traditional architecture practice. So uh, I've been very fortunate to continue that work and uh, uh, I think we have a very amazing team, and I hope we continue to uh, collaborate in a very uh, creative way. Gerardo Butler. Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to Encore in Las Vegas. Um, thanks for the introduction, Roger. Um, well, I've been with uh, Mr. Wynn since very early days, and I, my first projects were with the Golden Nugget Atlantic City uh, prior to the sale of that project to uh, Valleys in, I think, 1985. Um, since then, I moved uh, with Mr. Wynn to Las Vegas uh, to build the Mirage and Treasure Island, and the other ones that Roger did mention were Boat Ravage in Mississippi we worked on. And we've done a lot of design projects that were never built. Uh, we've designed the Jardin for Atlantic City. Um, we've designed projects in Connecticut and Florida, and most of these were on referendums in Singapore, yeah, Malaysia. And most were not built, but we were fortunate enough to build the one in Macau, which... Uh, which really sparked uh, something for us in what you see today in Encore. Uh, many of the design concepts that we developed in Macau, uh, responding to a totally new market and a different culture, we, they were so successful and um, provided such a new insight into the gaming industry and resort development that we decided to bring a lot of those ideas back to Las Vegas. And it's what you see here at Encore today. It's, it's, uh, this is a very unique hotel and resort for Las Vegas. We don't think there's anything else like it here. Uh, many of the ideas are heavily influenced from our experiences in Macau, uh, which that project is also very successful. And um, it's been a pleasure working with Roger. And Roger and I, we, um, we pretty much started the very concept with the tissue paper and the sketches and the doodle pens. And there are probably thousands of schemes for every hotel that you see built that we've developed. 
that most of the 999 are in the drawer somewhere, and the one that is built is what you see. Um, it's a lengthy process. It typically takes uh, approximately five years from initial concept when we start a project to actually when it opens, and that was uh, the timeline for both Bellagio and Win Las Vegas. Uh, Encore was a little bit quicker because it's a smaller project in overall square footage. Not small, but uh, it's about 4.7 million square feet um, as compared to Bellagio, which is 5.7. Uh, most of our projects are, you know, 2,000 to 3,000 rooms. This one's 2,034, and Win Las Vegas is 2,714. Um, so this project took approximately uh, 42 months to build which was a very accelerated schedule for us, but we had done a lot of the preliminary early work in developing WIND because what our goal was, we wanted the future development project to win to be a seamless addition, but not feel like an, a, you know, an appendage. So it was very important that they work together and flow together seamlessly so the garage is, is located in between both projects. You can access both from the, the WIND garage, the theaters, the nightclub, major entertainment sources are in between both hotels so that they're supported by both. And when you walk between the two, you experience that through the retail promenade. Uh, similar service connections happen, you know, below in the back-of-house areas where all of the back-of-house interconnection happens behind the scenes where it's invisible to a guest, but the operational aspects are very fluid and each hotel can support itself but interact with each other. So um, those are some of the challenges that we face in developing a project, but then being able to add on to it and have a seamless final out product. Um, there's many, many aspects that the public doesn't see in the back of the house. Hopefully you've had a chance to experience some of that. And uh, we love to take care of our employees with the same care and conscientious design that we exhibit for the guests. We try to make places that make the employees happy makes their job easier and seamless, and um, a happy employee uh, gives a better presentation to a happy customer. So with that, I'll turn it over to Jerry and uh, let him introduce himself and explain his insight. Thank you. Good afternoon. Um, I'm so new at this, with, with being a, the, the newest member to this team. I started in March, and prior to that, um, the largest hotel I worked on was probably 600 rooms. <laughs> so when you talk about Encore being a boutique hotel, that's still quite a large place for me. Um, but working for Steve and working for Wynn is just such an eye-opener for me because it truly brings together all the aspects of design that I've always wanted to incorporate in uh, the work that I've done. Um, and we truly believe that everything gets incorporated here. The designers are involved with every aspect from the architecture to the landscape to tabletop design to the sound systems. Everything is interconnected and everything has to work together towards the whole. And most hotel companies do not operate that way. Everything is separate, everybody is separate, they don't talk, they don't communicate. Todd, being on the outside, knows this because he deals with this all the time. So this is a fantastic dream to work for a company that truly believes in incorporating all of this because that is what gives you the experience. You walk into a wind property 
and you have that feeling of being enveloped by a mood, by a vibe that makes you feel like you want to be there and you want to see everything that's here and experience every restaurant, every bar, every room that you can get into. You just have the desire to explore everywhere. So that's what I'm really looking forward to in this company. I'm Todd. Since you all know, we know a little bit about design. And this microphone is in front of us. I'm channeling last night's opening episode of American Idol Audition. So maybe we want to sing instead. No, our singing's not as good as our designing. Uh, I'm Todd Lenahan. I've been working with DeRider and Roger specifically as part of the wind design team for, I think this is our seventh year. It's been a long time. We worked on Win Las Vegas and now Encore. And recently started working with Jerry and haven't really touched uh, uh, Mike's work that much, but um, hope to at some point in the future. One of the questions that I always get asked as a, as a consultant, uh, which is a word I actually don't really care for because um, consulting seems like such a one-liner. We, we actually do quite a bit more than, than just consult and give suggestions. Um, we help create this brand. We help perpetuate the idea that this company has put forth to the public about what their hospitality experiences are. But in the industry, we're known as consultants, um, often more so than we are as designers. And design is everything to what we do here. When I meet people that ask me what the experience is like designing with this company, everybody always wants to know what's it like to work for Mr. Wynn because there's a story and there's a history and there's a lot of intrigue and mystery around the, the man he is, the name that's on this building. And I always tell people in a kind of a quick um, response that it's perhaps everything that they've always heard it is all about and more. Um, he is probably the best editor of design that I have ever worked with. When you work for hotel companies such as those that we have in our portfolio in my company, whether it's a Four Seasons or it's Carlton or, or Mandarin Oriental, these are corporate entities and although they have a strong brand uh, presence and a strong idea about what their product is and the way it's delivered to their, their guests as a service, they are not companies that have the signature of a single person on the building literally and figuratively. So working for a company like this that has Mr. Wynn at its helm, who really has the vision for these projects, really is in large part why you experience the level of quality and craft and execution that you do as a guest here. Every single brush stroke that you experience when you look at this place as a, as a painting or as a sculpture, uh, has been considered by him because his expectation from us as a design team is that we bring him our absolute best ideas. There's obviously programmatic constraints and budget constraints that were presented with start, but uh, his expectations are broad and I think that it's fair to say that they're they're very open, and we often surprise him with things that he may not have had in mind uh, as his first idea about what a space or a guest experience can be, but he expects us to do that. His expectations are very high, and everything ultimately that's delivered here as a part of the physical guest experience is seen and understood by him, and that's very rare in the industry today. I, I know of uh, really no hoteliers or developers, operators, that approach a project this way. 
the closest thing that I can think of that comes to it is the, the past experience that I had in my career uh, when I worked for the Walt Disney Company for a decade, where although we didn't have uh, the presence of a living person who was our brand anymore, the ideas and the way that Walt Disney expected us to execute a complete experience in a very cinematic way, something that was very carefully scripted, very carefully produced, and that literally and figuratively had a scene one, scene two, scene three experience to it is very much the way that design is approached here. And it's really very rich and it's very rare um, and it comes with a lot of hard work. It's easy to walk through a building like this, especially something of this scale that has so many dimensions to its design and listen to people respond very candidly to what they like, what they don't like, what they've never seen before, what they would have done differently. And I can assure you, even though those comments come very quickly, because we all do it, every decision here has not come that quickly. There is so much thought and so much rigor and an incredible intensity that goes into everything you see here that uh, we could probably do five seasons of reality TV just on the designing and executing of a hotel like this. They're extraordinary efforts, and I don't know how long anybody's here for, but um, it really takes days upon days to discover the nuances that are occurring in this building. And it's meant to deliver itself to you like that, to reveal itself over time, so that if you're here for a while, there's always dimensions and new things to experience. And um, all of that is purposeful and carefully crafted, and it's a labor of love. And so going back to what I was saying before uh, about being a consultant, None of what you see here is done just out of professional obligation by this team. This is really uh, art in, in its truest, in the truest sense of that word. These are artistic gestures that come from people's heads and from their hearts. And if it lifts you and your experience and in your enthusiasm, it's because you're experiencing the passion of real people that created every single thing that you see and, and uh, experience here. Thank you. Uh, uh, I also want to acknowledge the design contributions of a couple of other uh, people. One of the things I get to do uh, is travel the world and look at the best uh, jobs of uh, designers. Uh, so the retail uh, effort, with the exception of the spa store, which uh, was authored by Todd, uh, is Dan Bartolus Architects New York uh, for all of uh, our retail stores. Uh, and I, we owe a debt also to Hirsch Bedner Associates Los Angeles and a very particular team there that we work with, um, uh, coordinated by Christian Kalund, uh, for their contributions to the casino uh, um, and co-authorship of Society, Switch, Wazuzu, and Southside. So with that... Uh, our job is, um, my job basically is um, I get up every morning and um, uh, I go to a place to make my dreams come true. Nice job. Uh, and, and one that, uh, that I love. And, and as Todd uh, so eloquently spoke, it's one uh, that is accomplished with passion. This is far too difficult to do unless you absolutely love everything about it uh, and you love every part of it. Um, and Steve's philosophy that we follow uh, is very much what Todd said. It is creating a cinematic experience because what, what my job to, is is not to decorate a room. My job is to create um, an emotional experience uh, for the most sophisticated, the most well-traveled, and the best-healed guest in the world. 
uh, and that's really the charge of all of us. And uh, I hope we've been successful. So I think with that, we'll take questions that you've, I think you've already written, and yes, questions I've, going I've, to feed us. I've gone around the room, so thank you all. We won't have time to get to every question, so I apologize in advance. But I've gone through and picked a few to hit all the different areas, and we'll ask just a few, and then we can open up for discussion afterward. One question uh, for all of you. Uh, did the final design, for instance, the exterior height and the large amount of glass, create design challenges in order to keep the interior spaces at a specific comfort level? Um, I guess I'll take that one. Um, the Glenis is a, an insulated glass because we're highly concerned over energy conservation. Uh, one thing that was specifically unique about Encore is that the south side of the tower is facing the Encore pool, which happens to also have the uh, excess nightclub. And we were concerned about noise, especially resonating between two towers. So we used an acoustic glass on the south side of the tower uh, so that our guests would not experience the nightclub unless they chose to. Um, the heights of the towers are dictated by FAA, and we've uh, pretty much uh, gone as high as allowable by the FAA guidelines. Uh, the shape of the tower was, uh, the initial concept for Win Las Vegas Tower was we wanted something receptive, and at that time, and I think still currently, the dominant population in Las Vegas is two hours south. So the curvature of the tower and how it's placed on the site is sort of like a beckoning, receptive type shape. The, uh, the swoop at the top is sort of an uplifting um, element that is characteristic of early architecture where most of the architecture was religious, and steeples and t tall uh, spires sort of caused people to look up. So that swoop is sort of a, a, an evolution of that. Um, did I answer the question, or was there another part that I missed? No. Okay. Thank you. That was the question. Thank you. This question is for Todd. Uh, what inspired the guest room design, and in, in what style is it? The inspiration for the guest room uh, was really Mr. Wynn's request to design the next room in their company's portfolio of resorts that would have a classical elegance to it that would endure for many years, but with a modern point of view. Hotel room design uh, in the industry gets very trendy and uh, it very quickly dates itself. Um, we all are familiar with the kind of hip hotel trend that quickly ran its course and has left uh, billions of dollars of real estate looking like it should already be retired or renovated. And so we're very aware that uh, for this demographic of guests that they're not interested in that type of design. And when you have a client that says what we need to, to deliver to our guests as a part of the next experience here is a classically elegant room but with a modern point of view, it gives you a lot of, of headwind. It's a, it's a great head start. Um, the, uh, the color palette that you see today is one of many versions that were presented. We, I think, did probably eight versions of that room before getting to the room that you see today. And not because they weren't liked or weren't considered successful, but it was a continual process of refining and also trying to stay ahead of what consumer expectations are. Because when we 
ultimately design a room and it's decided that this is the room we're going to move forward with, it goes through three years still in its execution, and then it's got to have a shelf life of many years after that. So we're constantly trying to forecast everything from color trend to furniture trend, but always keeping in mind also, first and foremost, guest comfort. In hotel design, a lot of rooms forego comfort for the sake of style and visual panache. And we start from the position of comfort and we carefully consider things like ergonomic experiences, height and width relationships, the light quality in the room, um, and a lot of practical factors that affect the way you feel the room as a guest are really what inspire some of the most beautiful visual moves in the room. The visual moves often aren't self-originating. They are the outgrowth of very uh, sound, solid, ergonomic, or practical considerations that came first. Of the many largely scaled decorative fixtures and artworks, were there any that proved particularly challenging in terms of fabrication or installation? Um, most of the large scale artworks proved challenging in manufacture and installation. It's not easy to make a 27 foot long crystal dragon. Uh, or get it here from Hong Kong, or coordinate all the various electrical and weight issues uh, that hold it up, that illuminate it, that make it meet certain codes, um, and that uh, maintain its elegance. For, fortunately, we had solved that problem in, uh, in uh, our Macau property. This is our second dragon. Uh, but we also had a whole new set of, of those um, difficulties because of uh, U.S. codes being what they are and shipping them and building them differently. Uh, the very large carved uh, relief panels in stone that are in both the north and west port cochers of tree fern panels that were made for us in Bali um, are, um, were inspired by an 18-inch high example <laughs> that I saw. I asked if you could do it in 18 feet. Um, that usually excites people. Uh, but but find, figuring out how to do something in many pieces rather than in a single piece, uh, coordinating its installation, uh, the challenges of shipping it, um, uh, all of those things are, are extraordinary. Um, the red chandeliers in the casino um, constitutes one of the largest, um, uh, well, it is the, the largest uh, order for Rubino red glass uh, ever entered in Murano, so getting that accomplished uh, and here on time um, is rather extraordinary. Um, uh, so uh, when you're inventing the, when you're inventing almost everything that's seen, uh, uh, there are unforeseen circumstances and challenges. Uh, but uh, the learning experience and the opportunity to work with people to conquer those um, and to, um, uh, to learn how to better the end result uh, rather than have the end result look challenged uh, is, is always, that's the most fun that I have on a project because there are inevitable difficulties. Uh, but uh, uh, often those difficulties cause opportunities for improvement. That's the way we try and look at it. Okay, the next question can go to any of you on the panel. What was the most significant design change made during the process? I think uh, there were a couple. One of the most significant was uh, that the room is originally designed and as the tower was beginning construction did not have uh, a separate bedroom and living room. Uh, so the addition of that division represented um, a challenge in, 
design and in rapidity of response, uh, both on the, t the part of the design team as well as on the part of the contractor, uh, mechanical uh, contributors, uh, electrical contributors. It was, it was um, uh, rather challenging. Uh, we had a couple of uh, society restaurant um, changed its um, management menu style uh, and uh, most of its treatments um, about 90 days before opening. That was a bit of a challenge. Uh, and uh, about uh, six weeks before we opened, Teo became Sinatra's. Teo is the uh, first name of our illustrious chef in this room. Uh, Sinatra um, was an opportunity that Mr. Wynn uh, was was really excited about. Uh, so things like uh, grand piano finished black lacquer display cases with inch and a half thick um, breakproof acrylic to house Oscars in six weeks becomes a challenge, uh, as well as getting photographs of the scale of the gentleman on the wall behind you uh, installed in frames. Um, those are the, the ones that come to mind, though they're not the only ones. Uh, but I, I have to tell you, having said that, that uh, those kinds of changes and challenges are pretty normal in our company. Um, we are, after all, Mr. Wynn has the focus of an entire team of designers, architects. Uh, and so our elasticity in having done that for many projects for him uh, has gotten to be pretty finely tuned. Uh, Todd is, is used to that kind of elasticity as well, and I think our reaction time is second to none. There's one that, um, that DeRider had to deal with that is pretty significant, I think, because it's one of the things that really differentiates this, this resort from everything in this market. But if you've seen this building from the exterior at night, this end where we're actually seated right now, you can notice that from this, the second half of the building up um, is all two-story, uh, really opulent sky suites or sky villas. And this building, I think, was maybe up to about the 10th or 12th floor when we did the final presentation on the two-story uh, suite. And at that point in time, when we were presenting it, we were only going to have a very small number of those because it's a substantial size accommodation. But Mr. Wynn was so excited about it that DeRider literally stopped the construction for whatever period of time in this one portion of the building. And um, we ended up basically tripling the number of those suites. So there was structural redesign that had to occur and redesign to the window walls. And it didn't stop the schedule at all. I mean, it, we, I shouldn't say we stopped. We, we basically just did the gymnastics that Roger just talked about. Um, but that was a pretty substantial change that ultimately made this product that much better than it already was. We actually had to work with the contractor and project their schedule of how fast they were going to pour concrete so that we could change the first suite before he got there pouring concrete. So it was that rapid of a change. And I mean, all the utilities, the structural engineering that had to happen, we had to factor all that into a projection of when he hits this floor, we have to be ready to change the design. Okay. Do you specifically look to incorporate unexpected uh, pops of color, interesting textural mixes, or do these choices generally unfold organically? Uh, it's all incredibly deliberate and happens with mathematical precision. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, on a, uh, the creation of, it, of environments that, are, that we hope are inspirational um, happen by inspiration. Uh, I carry my own set of inspirations that have, I've gathered. Uh, when asked the question, how long did it take to design Encore, my answer is 57 years. 
Um, it's taken every experience I've ever had cumulatively to do this kind of project. Um, I, I get... Uh, when, when I travel, I don't go to resorts, I don't go to beaches, I don't, uh, uh, I have a, um, uh, a condominium at a ski resort that I haven't seen for five years. Uh, I go to world museums, to great architectural structures, to, uh, to big cities, um, and fill my coffers and become inspired. So, um, uh, and, and the coloration for me, um, and uh, of course Todd and Jerry can comment on other things, uh, for me, comes with um, a long history of training as an artist. I was never trained as an interior designer. Uh, I have a degree in art history, and I was trained in studio courses uh, for art. So from, uh, from painting, from ceramics, from textile, uh, from sculpture and weaving, I, I derive the expertise that I use um, in doing things. And because I'm an art historian, um, I am constantly looking um, at art and, and trying to figure out the why, wherefore, and how come it didn't. Uh, and uh, and that's where that's where I derive my vocabulary, um, of my inspiration, uh, and what you see before you. Now, one of the changes, though, that uh, Jerry reminded me of was um, about four months before we opened the Port Cochere for our Tower Suites lobby was a rather formidable structure, uh, and it is now a tent, um, a wonderful, uh, less uh, less uh, large in scale. Um, less formal uh, structure. That was kind of a fast adjustment as well. This is an interesting question. Were the visually impressive uh, sightlines in the spa treatment area, uh, the long hallway, and the hotel and casino, and the gaming area and the atrium, independently conceived or deliberately intended from the earliest design um, stages? Thank you. Uh, was that meant to create a synchronicity between the spa and the hotel and casino? We, we uh, well, Roger worked on the casino and I worked on the spa, um, but that that question is a the answer to that question is a great example of how we work. It is I can't say it's coincidental. It's it's some sort of much bigger synchronicity. But we often do things like that without even knowing what each other is doing. It's, it's really true. We, we have a very aligned way of thinking that creates um, experiences that, to the guest, um, appear all seamlessly knit together at the edges. And I believe that that's one of the reasons that we work so well together, because there have been a number of consultants that have worked for this company in the past that are not at this table today. Is that wood or leather? I'm knocking on it. <laughs> yeah. But um, we have continued to work together as we have because our thinking is such that it results in things that look like they were deliberate when really it was just synchronous because we have the same point of view about the kind of experiences that we want to deliver to the guests. I think it also comes from uh, the, one of the reasons I pursued Jerry for two years um, is because, and one of the reasons that I always... Um, uh, enjoy working with and love the, the result of Todd's work is we are all historically trained designers. Uh, we all come from a background of architectural history. We know what classic is. We know why it's classic. We know what the success of classical proportion is. We were all schooled in that. It's what our vocabulary is. When we speak to each other about design, we speak of historical examples seamlessly uh, and reference the same buildings, the same experiences walking through various enfilades and buildings and, uh, and the same kinds of experience that those buildings were most successful in. Uh, so I think when you share that commonality of, of training uh, and focus, I think the result uh, is common. Uh, it's uncommon. Is 
synchronous. But we have so, there's so, the design charge is so huge here, and we have very strict time constraints that we have to work within. We're all moving at incredible speed um, in the way that we work. That we have very few opportunities to formally sit with each other and actually review each other's work. We do have formally scheduled uh, meetings where we'll present each other our spaces so we know how we're trending with our ideas and what we're thinking about. But it's very much uh, like a, a very carefully choreographed dance on, a, on a, you know, a, a huge epic production that's got 200 people on stage where you have to know your space on stage, your mark, and avoid bumping into anybody else. And we literally pass each other in hallways. I can see what he's doing in the span of 15 seconds. I can tell what's in his arm or what's on that drawing. And I have to become a very quick student of it, soak it up, know it. He does the same to me. And that's what the expectation is. We don't have a lot of opportunity to really ask each other questions. We have to be really quick students about what everybody else on the design team is doing. We have to pay attention, be astute use every bit of acumen that we have and dial into what each other's doing. And it's often um, interesting to see how I'll have seen something that Roger's doing in one area, he'll see something I'm doing, we'll see something that Jerry or another consultant is doing, and without even discussing it, we have very sensitive responses to how we can repurpose or borrow inspirations from another area to create a continuity in our area, and only when it's all installed, literally two weeks before opening, do we get to see the result of how things have all come together, and it's often not even spoken of. We just understand that this originated here, but it cross-pollinated here, and it, and it kind of spread out here, and it's all very intentional, and it's just something we have to do. It's also, um, Todd mentioned cinematic, it's a word I use often, and in developing uh, an emotional experience of someone, um, having that kind of focal axis, reward, visual reward at the end, focal point at the end, uh, and the rhythm that gets you there, that modulated rhythm that gets you there with a really pleasant cadence, uh, that's what good design is. So I mean, we're just, you know, the, the, it's not by accident, uh, it's by intention, I, I think. I'm going to ask one more question and maybe go down the line with this one. What part of the hotel are you most proud of? I think I'm most proud of the fact that uh, we had quite a bit of challenge with the uh, proportions of the project. Uh, the writer did such a great job of cramming such, so much programming in such tight, tight sight, it really didn't leave too much um, opportunity for, for my work. So in order to really create a scale of project that is more pedestrian, and at the same time create screenage for the larger mass that transition to more human scale. It really, uh, it really had to kind of create a balance between allowing the transition yet at the same time allow for certain grandeur uh, but not homogenous so that it's more compositional. So as a result of that, all of the podium, all of the base that you see at the bottom becomes more fractured uh, deconstructed pieces of mass. And within that, we try to layer uh, textures and uh, porosity or translucency that really departs quite a bit from your traditional architecture. So um, I feel most proud that this particular sort of end result of this 
whole creative process that we, we all work on is something very unique. I think it's very unique uh, and really a departure from traditional Vegas uh, architecture where they, instead of trying to recreate, regurgitate what you normally see here, we're trying to create a new vocabulary, new vernacular that becomes more natural, more elegant. Uh, it's more about textures and layering that really works with all of the elements fundamental to the human experience that goes on here, meaning the landscaping, the lighting, and architecture work, coexist and work together, so nothing really pops out. So I feel that not, if, if the guests, um, as they experience the property, if nothing really jumps out in this particular juncture, I feel that uh, we've been very successful in creating an environment that really focuses on, on the experiences of all the guests in the dinings and the gaming and the restaurant. Oh, Terry, why don't you? Well, since I really didn't create anything from scratch here, it's, it's in a way I have it easy, in a way I have it more difficult because there's nothing that I can lay claim to. Um, but for me, I think. There are several places that are in incredible vistas that Steve would stand there and look out and want to see specific things. And it was catching what he wanted out of that and then figuring out how to distill what we were still working with to make that focal point exactly the experience that he was after. So standing in the atrium and looking through the casino to the uh, formal pool that whole experience, that was a key thing for him, to be able to stand there and order the big earth movers you know, out of the way so that he could visually see that, that line of sight, to stand at the top of the stairs as you are in excess, looking through the doors spread wide open with the um, mirrored chandelier replacing the mirrored ball, looking out across the European pool to the... Um, outdoor bar and casino. That was a key thing for him. I remember running around to all the little cabanas and changing the light bulbs to get the right color of light for him. Yeah. Yeah, there's so, so many key little things like that that he wanted those vistas to be so so perfect for, for what he was wanting to offer guests. That's my favorite. Well, I guess I'll try next. Um, I guess my favorite thing, I like the um, overall impression to the guests um, as a person arrives and experiences the hotel. And one of the things that we strive to do, and it's sort of an unspoken uh, gospel, that we typically believe that we have to exceed our last project, which was the best project in the world. And we've done that now several times, and we're always concerned about, you know, when do you hit a ceiling? There's but so much you could do to make a space and a place better than the last one. But for some reason, we seem to always be able to reach that next milestone. We think this project's better than the last one, and that was better than the one before it. And some of the basic premises that we pursue in, uh, in our design approach to a project is some of the very strong ones are um, a very strong integration of the indoors with the outdoors. Um, we, we try to respond to natural human desires and 
needs and things that people perceive as comfortable, and one of those is the integration of indoor and outdoor, and that was very important that when you arrive at this building, you walk into almost an outdoor space, although it's indoor. Uh, at the same time, that uh, indoor-outdoor relationship is reinforced when you look straight down the casino and you see out to the pool deck, and everything is symmetric and presented in an orderly form. Uh, and this restaurant here has a perspective of an indoor-outdoor restaurant, even though we're contained by away from the wind and the environment, but you feel like you're outdoors, and that's very important to us that uh, we, we get that sort of integration, and we, we think that when Las Vegas was better than Bellagio, which was our first real attempt to integrate indoor and outdoor experiences, and we think that Encore has even exceeded that as a much better um, uh, design for achieving that goal. Uh, another thing that we try to do at this hotel, which is um, relatively new, but it's something that's always been a goal, is uh, we wanted to increase intimacy. Typically, uh, our you know guests in large places feel humbled by the sheer size and scale of a place. And even though this is a very large project, we wanted it to feel uh, intimate to the individual person who experiences it. And We've, uh, one of the things that we brought back from the Macau design was the casino, which is somewhat of a compartmental design. Um, when you walk through it, there are many uh, compartments, which Roger and participated heavily in developing in Macau and here. But the idea was to break the casino into very small chunks, so you never feel lost, and you always feel an orientation to where you came in and where the side is and where the exit is. And as people experience the space, we, we believe that they appreciate not being lost in a big volume. So th those are two of some of the real strong points that we think we really excelled on in this project, and we thought we had done a great job on the last one of those same two ideas. Todd? The, uh, the thing that I'm most proud of is actually not anything physical about the building. It, truly, the thing that I'm the most proud of is the, most proud of is the association that I get to have with this team and with this client. Uh, that is something that I, uh, I, I, can't, I can't appreciate it enough. Um, our spaces within this building, uh, Roger, you've been so incredibly complimentary and appreciative of what we've done for your company here. But I can't say that it's what I'm the most proud of. Um, the relationship and being afforded an opportunity to be invited to design within a resort like this is extraordinary. And I don't believe that our spaces uh, would be as successful independently on their own if they were not viewed within the context of this larger project. We've gotten some wonderful comments from guests and people are enjoying those areas very much. But I feel pretty confidently that part of the reason they've been so well received is because you are so well primed and you have been so opened up and you've been so, uh, you've had your, your senses awakened after having moved through all of these amazingly crafted spaces that by the time you get there, you're ready to see that space. That would not be successful, the spa in particular, as the front door of this building. The architectural or design vocabulary of the guest rooms, I don't think, would be successful as the front door experience of this building. So I'm very proud of the association because of the experiences that have been provided as the first few scenes before you get to our areas. On large projects like this where multiple consultants are often engaged, designers, um, there is 
often an unknown outcome of what the entire project is going to look like because you have so many different people working to create what's supposed to be a singular experience. And to work on a project like this, where the work that one person's doing is going to be so beautifully presented because of who its neighbors are, is really extraordinary, and it's very, very rare. So, uh, again, my long-winded answer to the short question is I'm, I'm most proud of the association and the relationship that we've been invited to be a part of that makes our work look even better than it really would if you saw it standing on its own. Uh, I'm gonna if being asked about a favorite um, a favorite or a most proud moment is like being asked which one of your children would like best. Uh, and I have a single child just so I never had to answer that question. Uh, so I have three uh, three places that I go to sit and look around and really, really drink in uh, what's been accomplished. The lobby bar and cafe, uh, just because I love red. Uh, I can't get enough of it, which you can tell in the lobby bar and cafe. Uh, this room that we're in, Sinatra, is, uh, very, is a very um, soul-feeding place for me and one that I'm particularly proud of. And the spa court. Uh, I often find myself sitting in the spa court and marveling. Wonderful. Well, now that you've all had a chance to listen a, a little, I'd like to open up if anyone has an additional question that they've thought of after this discussion has started. Ready? I've been an entertainer. When I asked to do an encore, I am so pleased. How did the word name encore come about? Was it from multi-choices or it's obvious encore is an encore of Win Las Vegas? Encore, um, when Steve was talking about uh, uh, how do you follow Win, he was at home. He was with uh, Mrs. Wynn, Elaine Wynn, and he was talking, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to follow it? How is it going to be better? Uh, and after a discussion that evening, Elaine said, this is going to be a great encore. And that was the name. Anyone else? Oh, I'll come. I've noticed in, in encore in particular, there's a lot of femininity. Yeah, I've noticed that in encore in particular, there's a lot of femininity. There's the butterflies, there's the roses, there's the hummingbirds etched and a lot of really, really delicate details. Um, is that for, uh, was that deliberate? Uh, it really makes it stand apart. We, we, we as a group, um, Steve included, uh, well, first of all, I want to acknowledge um, Mrs. Wynn's participation in the design of this building. She is very, very intimately involved in presentations, often attends them, has a very clear voice, is highly articulate. Uh, in the 30 years that I've been associated with the Mrs. Wynn has become one of us. She knows how to use uh, our professional sourcing and resourcing as well as we do. Uh, the uniforms that you see throughout the building are Mrs. Wynn's design, and all of the tabletop is developed in concert with Mrs. Wynn. Uh, we work very closely with her on spaces like the meeting room spaces to make sure that those special events that are going to occur there, that she's going to be planning mostly, um, uh, are, are conducive uh, to her planning of those spaces. Um, having said that, um, uh, I think a lot of people assign masculinity and femininity to things that I find gender neutral. 
Um, I don't think of butterflies as being feminine at all, and in many cultures they are the opposite of that. So um, I, I think there's kind of a, a specificity that we all bring to the masculine-feminine. I, I mean, I'm certainly not the most masculine guy I know, so stuff I create is probably not going to be, you know, like, uh, uh, I, I haven't got a hunting lodge. Um, so, uh, I, but I love, I love, um, I love tactile things. I love the softness um, uh, of drapery as opposed to the polish of paint and stone. Um, I love highly colored, uh, highly colored areas. I think that um, uh, Mr. Wynn and I, I know, uh, share um, as, as a common focus uh, of re- what really excites us about color most is standing before an Henri Matisse painting. Um, both of us. So uh, you can see the, re- the, the result of that here uh, on our points. Um, and I think that in, in our uh, in our trying to make a place incredibly comfortable uh, and very cinematic, I think some of those moves uh, have a softening. I love a curved line. Uh, if it's feminine, uh, the, the lines that I often use, you can see them in the ceiling in here, you can see them in the profile of a molding, they're on the carpet, uh, the chairs that you're sitting on are of my design. Uh, I use the, the, the curves found on the female and male form uh, on the human body as clues to the way I design almost everything I do. Um, <clears throat> so I, I don't know if Todd would... I'm counting on you because no one in the whole hotel has been able to answer this question. What is the significance of the wind crest, which is right behind you, behind that statue? I think the significance, uh, first of all, the wind crest was developed, um, was designed by uh, a wonderful firm who does our, uh, our branding uh, and logo development. You can see their work on uh, our, our, our restaurants, our stores, our menus. Uh, whenever you see us represented in graphic format, often the way we're shown uh, in, um, uh, in moving graphic format, as well as Slover and Company in New York, uh, headed by Susan Slover and her partner, Rosemary Kurapat. Uh, and they were charged with developing a logo for Wynn. They're the, they're the ones who took Mr. Wynn's signature and, uh, and kind of caressed it and gave it a point at the end. Uh, and they, they, at the same presentation, uh, said that they felt that because this was going to be a luxury brand, uh, that they looked a lot at um, what luxury meant graphically in the world. And coats of arms, uh, yacht club burgies, uh, and personal crests had for hundreds and hundreds of years been signifiers um, of aristocracy and therefore of luxury. And so might you just be interested, and they unveiled this crest for Mr. Wynn. He was so excited. Um, it's, it's a beautiful way to signify um, our company without his name, which was something that he really liked. He was very, it was very difficult to talk Steve Wynn into having a building with his name on it. Uh, so having the availability of a crest to stand in for his name, and it's recognized worldwide now, uh, was of great interest. Plus, doesn't it look great on a polo shirt? Are there any other questions? Yes? This is a design type question. Um, miles of fabric, I'm sure, were used in this operation here. Um, not measured in yards, of course. <laughs> 
But in the casino and the restaurants alone, how did you choose the specific designs of the fabrics to use to make each one so individually unique? Well, you know, the world of fabric design is a lush and wonderful and huge world. And because um, of jet travel and uh, because we spend more money on fabrics than anyone else, we get to see all of them. Uh, so it, it's, kind of, it's kind of a love story. Uh, in, in accessing the world's markets, um, you see an awful lot. And you would think that you would become jaded, and you are, until you fall in love. So the fabric that was selected for the casino drapery was a love story. The fabric that, uh, uh, in, in this room, it was, it was falling in love with texture in a particular color. Uh, in society, it was an ex actually in society, the black and white damask fabric uh, was the result that Todd and I shared. We were invited to the world premiere of Mithra Latte, uh, an 18th century opera that was being performed for the first time since the 18th century at La Fenice, the opera house in Venice, uh, in a performance that had uh, been underwritten by uh, Rubelli Fabrics and the Rubelli family who are Bergamo fabrics. And in that production, for which they, they supplied all of the fabrics, an exquisitely set production, the most beautiful opera I've ever seen, uh, there were uh, nine uh, Corinthian-capped, heroically scaled columns on scale whose shafts were covered in that particular damask fabric. So that's how that was selected. That was love. So that's really, it's, it's stories I could tell, I could go on and on and on. Uh, it's, I can tell you where I was when the casino fabric love story happened. And, uh, uh, so I fall in love a lot, uh, and, uh, and I, I know Todd does too. Todd, if you go to Todd's studio, there is a I Love These Fabrics selection that is out. They're laying there to remind him of those things that he's discovered recently, and he loves them so much he's dying to do something with them. Uh, I have a similar cache. Uh, Jerry has a similar cache. I don't know anybody, any designer working who doesn't have their stash of things they've fallen in love with.